are free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. Some say this is one of Paul's greatest books and works is Romans. And going through the book of Romans is there is so much that you can pull out of it. And there's so much of life application that we can learn from. So I'm going back to verse 10 to 11. The death that he died, he lived for sin once for all. But the life that he lived, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead in you, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does reckon mean? What does that mean to you? Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead and deep you to sin. So do you believe that? Do you believe that you can be dead to sin? Reckon, uh, amplified by the Bible, says, even so consider yourself to be dead to sin, and that your relationship to be broken, but alive to God in an unbroken fellowship with Him in Christ Jesus. So a couple things I, I came up with in this reckon is conclude and accept that it has happened. Believe it to be true. You are no longer slaves to sin, but have been set free. So hallelujah. In the other word, um, slave is, is an interesting one that you hear about quite a bit um, in the last part of this chapter. So what does a slave mean? The definition I came up with and I don't know where I came, what dictionary this was, was a person who is fully subject to the will of another. So, in the past life, we were subject to sin, our master. Now, if we believe it to be so, that we are dead to sin, we are now slaves to God. There again, no control. We're totally, fully subject to His will in life. But the question is, do we believe that? Do we believe the Bible is true? Do we believe it's inspired Word of God? What well, says here then? Believe that you're dead to sin and alive to God. Well, sanctification also is a process. He convicts us in areas that need to be changed, helping us to grow in holiness. We begin to view the world, people, and personal difficulties from a more biblical perspective. Our choices begin to be motivated by love and truth and not selfishness. Justification, rebirth, born again, however, the Holy Spirit enters our life. We are no longer held hostage by death but are free to live the life that God desires. So we need to believe it and reckon it to be so. Hallelujah. Prayer request this morning. Do you have any? We all know that an octopus has eight arms. But did you know that the octopus has nine brains? Yeah, it's got a central brain located in, I guess you call it head. And then there's eight micro brains, 
located in each of its eight arms. This allows the octopus to really allow each arm to act independently to a degree. And it allows the octopus for each arm to respond and react much quicker. The octopus is known for its ugliness. But also, did you know that it is named King of Camouflage? <coughs> yeah, the octopus is one of its forms of defense, I guess. It can rather quickly change from its ugliness into it, it reforms itself and it can be shaped and colored like some of the most beautiful sea life. The octopus lays thousands of eggs, the female, and the larva then grow rather rapidly. And drift through the water and spread quickly after they're born. It again, reproduces by the thousands. Each of the eight arms can be lengthened or shortened. They can grab hold and grasp of many different types of surfaces and also can strangle the oppressor. But unlike any other animal on the face of the earth, if one of those eight arms is severed, and you've heard this before, within three days, the regeneration process begins, and shortly that seven-legged animal becomes an eight-legged octopus again. The arms can actually grow back. You cut my arm off, it will not grow back. Cut your leg off, or any member of your body, it cannot reproduce itself. The octopus arm will grow back shortly. And this is still a secret among uh, scientists today. They can't figure it out. There's over 300 species of the octopus. Their lifespan is approximately three to five years. They mate, thousands of legs are laid. Both male and female die shortly after. And the cycle repeats itself. There are billions and billions of these 300 species of octopus in our oceans today. Sort of an ugly, creepy sea animal. fascinating. To me, the octopus reminds me of my self-powered life. Creepy, yet fascinating. Reminds me of the human family that struggles so much with a self-powered life. We struggle so. No, we want to be right, holy, righteous, We want to honor him, but there's something inside of us that causes us to do what we don't really want to do. This self-powered life is what can lead us to discouragement, failure, sin, pain, and so on. The octopus reminds me of the self-powered life in so many areas. 
It has so many arms and fingers into our lives. Each one seemingly having a mind of some <laughs> Our self-power life is so ugly, and yet it is the king of camouflage. Often appears to be beautiful, stimulating, and drawing. It spreads so rapidly through the waters of life. It grows really, really fast. It reproduces by the thousands. It reaches out and attaches to many different things and cleans to many, many different surfaces. And it can eventually strangle any good in us. I hate the self pattern. Hate it with a passion. Like to just step away. Switch. And yet I know that when I do, it just it has an ability to come up again and regrow itself and reattach. I cut it off, it grows back, I cut it off again. It raises its ugly head. I feel so frustrated at times with this creepy, ugly thing in my life. How do I overcome it? How do I survive at times? Can you relate? I thank my God this morning that there is a way, there is hope through the Holy Spirit. God has provided a way that though sometimes we feel so powerless, that Holy Spirit is in you, believer, by promise, and you can overpower, you can overcome this self-centered life by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is in you by promise. My text comes from the book of Galatians chapter 5. The self-powered life versus the spirit-powered life. And before we go there, we want to go back to Romans. We want to go to Romans chapter 7. I'd like for you to open your Bibles and look at this with me because sometimes this becomes just like the self-powered life. It becomes very, very confusing and so confusing that all the time we tend to skip this, this portion of Scripture. In fact, I, I would dare to say probably there's no one in the congregation this morning that can quote this chapter or this passage. I can't even read it without getting confused sometimes. So read with me Romans chapter 7, verse 11. For sin, taking occasion. And as we read this together, I think you can, you can feel Paul's frustration. Just like I gave to you in the introduction this morning, it's so frustrating to live and compete against the self-powered life. It's like as if when I read this, I see Paul sending us this YouTube video this morning full of motion and color. And we read it together, we can feel the frustration. And I think if each one of us reads it, we can relate with it this morning. Romans chapter 7, verse 11. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death to me, God forbid, but sin, that it might, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me, by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am harmed, sold unto sin. For that which I do, I allow not. 
For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin is dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin dwelleth in me. I find then a law that which I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. We can't, we can't necessarily understand all of that, but I think every one of us can relate as we attempt to live our Christian life, and we find this battle going on inside of us, the flesh against the spirit, a, a, a flesh, a self-centered life, a self-powered life versus a spirit-powered life. We'll read on in Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Get your mind around that. God sent his Son, Jesus Christ, righteous, holy God. He sent his Son to come in the flesh. God uses flesh to condemn sinful flesh. Through Jesus Christ. And thus we have the victory over the flesh. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. My action passage begins in verse 14. Galatians 5, 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed with one another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the law of flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. That word contrary means in opposition with, in, as a direct opposite, in enmity with, completely opposite one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. And this is talking about the law of sin, and in the Spirit there is no law. It is not bound. In other words, sin is very confining. The law of sin is, is binding. The law of the Spirit is without bounds. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, bearings, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, 
revelings, and such like. Of which I tell you before, as I also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is very serious stuff this morning. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and love. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. This passage describes both the self-powered life and the Spirit-powered life and the warring that takes place, the opposition that takes place between the two. We find here verse 24, if there's one verse I want to focus on, at least initially is verse 24, we find this as the solution to our problem, the solution to our frustration. Verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. The solution to, a, to overcoming a self-powered life is the cross, is, is crucifixion, is death, defeat. And look at this, this phrase here, and they that are Christ. So I want to give you hope in the beginning of this. You are Christ. If you have named his name, you are Christ. He owns you. You belong to him. You no longer belong to yourself, you belong to Christ. You are Christ. And if you are Christ, he wants something better for you than a self-powered life. He wants you to live in the Spirit. He wants your end to be better. You're Christ. And the solution is to take our self-powered life to the cross. It, it begins, the solution begins with defeat. And crucifixion. Verses 19 through 21 describes the areas of the flesh that the human family deal with. And even as Christians, most of our daily lives, our fleshly struggles fall into some or all of these categories. I know it's easy for us individually to try to bypass this, not talk about these hard things, and exempt ourselves from it and point to others. But really, if you're struggling with a self-powered life, and we all do at times, most of, most of our problems fall into some or all of these categories. I made a list of myself, uh, I made a list of myself that I'll just read to you, that maybe you can relate with some or many of these categories, and most of them will come out with the, the same terminology here in Galatians chapter 5. Stubbornness, this, these are all fleshly tendencies. That we have stubbornness, pride, hypocrisy, envy, dissension, lovelessness, guilt, fear, dominance, critical spirit, legalism, hostility, egotism, impatience, withdrawal, sexual focus, pornography, fornication, adultery, false modesty, false humility. Hypersensitivity, affinity to vanity, and selfishness. And then selfishness would be these categories self justification, self indulgence, self effort, self righteousness, self ambition, self reliance, self pity, me first, me second, me third. 
self-powered life is all about me. And again, the solutions to finding victory begin at the cross. And the source of this victory is the power of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Just as the resurrection first comes out of death, victory over a self-powered life first comes out of crucifixion and defeat. And usually we don't want to go there. Usually if I'm struggling with a particular problem, I'm trying to first comfort myself, right? Step on that part of the foot. I'm trying to conquer my own power. And usually, I am trying to jump to the victory. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to go to defeat. There's pain there, and there's death represented there, and there's something about my problem that I like better, and I want to hang on to it. I remember Kurt, I remember you saying one time in an opening that sometimes we, we actually can't remember how you said it, but we actually enjoy the pain. And so there's something about it that we want to hang on to it a little bit. Because we don't hate the sin enough, and we somewhat enjoy the pain. And especially if it leads on to self-pity and so forth. It must start at the cross. It must start with the feet. Again, Galatians 5, 24. We can't find a victory without first bringing it to the cross. Someone said it like this, we must take our cross and align it in the shadow of this cross. Victory must start with the feet. Resurrection begins with crucifixion and death. The crucifixion of the flesh is a sure doctrine in Scripture, and yet it can be confusing. Because the word flesh is used so many different ways in Scripture, and so I, I want to uh, address this quickly if I can. The three areas of the flesh, the three primary areas of the flesh that the, the scripture uses. Um, the old man, our fleshly body. Thirdly, our inward carnal nature, which is really what we're talking about here this morning. I'm not going to have the time to get into it, but it's why I asked Jeff to read Romans chapter 6, because so many times I think uh, the terminology of the old man, which is a type of flesh that we've all had to deal with, so many times that is misquoted. I think uh, from a doctrinal basis in Scripture, Jeff read that and he even emphasized the very point that I want to emphasize in the fact that we do all deal with the old man. We're all raised up and born in Adam. And when we go to Romans chapter 5, it tells us that there's one man, his name was Adam. He fell into sin, and because that one man, Adam, died in sin, he brought the penalty of sin, death, to all men. Do you believe that? So that's the old man, the Adamic nature. Now Romans chapter 6 says that because Jesus Christ took that old man to the cross, that the old man is dead. Just like Jesus died and died unto sin once, our old man, when we confess the name of the Lord Jesus, 
and we buried with them in baptism, in baptism, in likeness of his death, burial, and resurrection, that the old man is crucified. The old man is dead once. And so it's my belief, according to Romans, that we don't deal with the old man being resurrected. We don't deal with the old man talking spirit. It, to me, it's not the old man that I'm dealing with in the sight of this author book. By, by uh, Trump, the old man is put to death. Now, if you haven't named his name yet this morning, you're dealing with the old man. You're living in the sin of Adam. And that will result in eternal death. But when you name his name, you're baptized in his likeness, the old man is put to death. It says it very clearly, and Jeff emphasizes, we need to simply reckon it to be true. We need to believe it. Because otherwise, we're going to really be dealing with this self-powered life in a different way. The other um, terminology we find in Scripture as it refers to flesh time and time again, again, not our emphasis this morning, but our eyes, this flesh, bones, skin, muscles, and, and to me, as you read through Scripture, that flesh, our body, is neutral, spiritually speaking, not really. Our bodies of itself are not bad. Neither are our bodies of itself good. Our bodies are a tabernacle, a temporary dwelling place. And so our bodies are neutral, and when we're living in sin, our bodies are going to be directed towards sin and performing bad, evil works. When our bodies are living for God and righteousness, our bodies can be used for good. Our bodies are neutral, neither good or bad, and they need to be sanctified by God to be used for good. I'd like to go on with more thoughts there, and I'm not made the time. That's not the flesh that Galatians chapter 5 is dealing with. Neither the old man, neither the fleshly body, but the Galatians chapter 5, the works of the flesh that needs crucified, it's hard for us to describe, but somehow it is our, it's taking place inside. I believe it is, it is within the realm of the heart and the mind. It's our inward being. Our carnality inside of us that needs to be sanctified by God. And it first must start with the feet on the cross. And so just real quickly, if you think about uh, you all know that are made up of body, soul, and spirit. And we were created in the realm of God. And we can't really draw that, of course, but we were made in His likeness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we fell because of Adam. And so our body and soul and spirit is all fragmented. Kind of like that. We fell from God and we literally fell apart. And we are incomplete without Him. And this is the old man condemned to hell. And God came after us. I said he came towards us. We didn't go towards him. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, which I know is a Calvinist, but I like this quote, said that if God would have first chosen me, I would have never chosen him. God came towards us. We chose him. And he drew back into himself. And I think it's in Colossians chapter 2, somewhere around verse 10, tells us we're now complete in him. The old man is crucified, he's gone, and we are now complete in him. We're now a new man, we put on a new being, and we are complete in him, and now we are going towards heaven. Uh, Keith Bailey often says, and I like this, that um, God not only came to save our soul, but he also came to save our spirit, and he came to save our body. So our, our, our spirit died, and our bodies were condemned. And when God saved us, he not only saved our eternal soul, 
he also gave life to the Spirit, and he gave our bodies a different use. And so the sanctified being is now working for God. The problem is, is the sanctified being, that the, that the old man has now become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The problem is we still deal with this inward carnality. And that's what confuses many, many Christians. It's like, well, if my old man's dead, why am I struggling? Well, because of that fall, that carnality is still in us and needs to be continually sanctified. And that's why when the, the Apostle Paul says, I die daily, he's not talking about the old man, but he is saying we need to often go back to the cross. Every time that little guy raises his head, we need to go back to the cross again. Victory only comes by defeat. So when No, I'm not much of an artist. Is that already? Let's just say here is your being, your heart and mind. The problem is many Christians live their lives like this. We live our life, we think, centered around the cross, but the problem is uh, we're living it more like an octopus having control over us. And each one of these arms that represents the world of the flesh. Now, God wants with all of his heart for us to live victorious. He does not want us to live in that state. And so, uh, we can go to many scriptures. Um, Paul says in Colossians 2 20, you might need to help me out with this one. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are crucified with Christ. Paul also says, as I already quoted, that I die daily. The tendencies, all these different tendencies and works of the flesh needs to not be stepped on, not be skirted around, not be swept under the carpet. We need to take them to the cross. And they need to be defeated. There. And with that comes the promise. Because uh, when someone looked up Hebrews chapter 4, the last several verses there. Many others reference to it. We're running out of time. But Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that the word of God is like a sword. And it comes in here. And it is able to divide the soul and the spirit. And so when your spirit is dead, the word of God gives life to your spirit. The word of God comes through the joints and the marrow, representing the body, and it can give life. My encouragement to you if you're struggling with a self-powered life is that you read the word of God. I can't emphasize that enough. Keep on reading. When it don't feel right, read the word of God. When you're hurting, read the word of God. When you're experiencing pain, read the word of God. Because there's life there. And there's power there. And it has the ability not to be like any other book. It has the ability to come into your very being, into your heart, and into your mind, and to change you and to sanctify your life. A very powerful passage that goes on there in Hebrews 4 it says that we can go to the throne of grace. And there we find we find grace. We obtain mercy. And we can get help in time of need. If you're struggling with a self-powered life, there is grace available. There is mercy that you can obtain. And you can get help. There is hope beyond the self-powered life. God wants us according to Galatians 5. 
live our lives more like this, more than like drawing. He wants our being to be in Him, body, soul, spirit. He wants our carnal heart to be changed, even if it's a daily process. And He wants for the Word of God to come in and make us anew. And to me, the Christian man, there may still be branches. But now, if you read Galatians 5 that we read, this could represent the fruit of the Spirit. And hopefully there's a man in your life. God wants the Christian to live his life centered around the cross. But not as an octopus. Not with all these fleshly tendencies controlling our lives. He wants us to live a life for him. And while this does involve our decision making, our commitment, our dedication and consecration, the power belongs to him. You'll never do it on your own. That's the emphasis uh, here in Galatians chapter 5. It's the emphasis in Romans chapter 6 that Jeff read. And if you go to the first part, I like how we put that. And the first part deals with crucifixion of the old man. The last part deals of Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in the last thereof. You see, Paul was dealing with these Christian people who was uh, believers. They'd given their life to Christ. But they were continuing on in sin. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Yield yourselves to God. Because sin does not have dominion over you. It does not have power over you any longer. Because Jesus took that away on the cross. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But yield yourselves unto God and those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments Righteousness unto God. Romans chapter 8. There it is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law should not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Now listen, verse 4, Romans 84. For the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, after this flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want you to get the emphasis, I want you to get the urgency, I want you to get the importance of that this morning, because we tend to make excuses. And I don't know about you, but I'm done making excuses. Well, that's just me. Well, that's just my flesh. Well, that's just the way I made up. Well, that's just my tendency. Can you get what the Bible is saying? They that are after the Spirit of heaven, for to be carnally minded is death. No excuses. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enemy against God. There's that word again, contrary one with the other. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But they that are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you, and he does. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he 
feet of bravery without the frightening from the dead, shall also quicken your mortal bodies, make them alive by his spirit that dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is a lot more powerful than your sinful flesh. You can overcome. You can live a spirit-powered life. You don't have to live in the soul-powered life continually. The tendencies are there. Our carnality is there. It will come. But God has given you a perfect solution. And that came through the cross of Jesus Christ. And we can go there. We can, we can crucify, mortify, I think the Lord passage says, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Put to death that we might experience a resurrected life while living here on this earth. You're struggling with that lovely octopus. Sometimes you think it's ugly, sometimes you think it's pretty. You're struggling, contrary, with the spirit. This can be a daily process. The Bible says in, in Galatians chapter 5 to walk in the spirit, to be led of the Spirit and to live in the Spirit. That's the life that Christ has for you and I. Living a self, living a Spirit-powered life is not an event, but it's a walk. It's an experience. And God, by promise, has placed His Spirit in you that you can overcome. The, the life that we live is not intended to be negative. Intended to glorify and honor him and to bear fruit for his name's sake. 